Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, the online streaming cinema. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Film Stage Show, the movie review podcast for thefilmstage.com. As always, I'm your host, Brian Rowan. Here with me today, we have Michael Snydell. Hello! We also have Bill Graham. Woo, woo, woo! And a special guest here today to talk with us about the documentary Cold Case Hammerschold. It's Dan Schindel. Hey, thanks for having me on. Thank you for joining us. Uh, as a means of introducing yourself to the listeners at home, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and uh, what you do? I've been a freelance film writer for a couple of years. Uh, currently, I am associate editor for documentary at the arts website, hyperallergic.com. All right. Excellent. And uh, yeah, we are here today to talk about the documentary Cold Case Hammerskold, a sort of detective yarn trying to determine... Uh, what happened to the plane that, uh, uh, what happened to your UN Secretary General Dag Hammarskjöld, whose plane went down in Africa in the 1960s? And where it goes is a bunch of surprises. So most of this episode will be spoilers, but we will indeed have a small moment beforehand where we will actually just give our opinions on the film. So if you're here to figure out whether you should watch this or not, don't worry. That will happen. Before we get into that, the usual stuff. Follow us on Twitter at Filmstage Show, Facebook, The Filmstage Show, email us podcast at filmstage.com, and of course, give us a comment and rating on iTunes. Become a patron of this show by going to patreon.com slash the filmstage show for as little as $1 an episode. You get access to our super cool Slack channel. You get first crack at all the raffles we do. And of course, you have the sense of completion. That comes with knowing that you are helping to put on this show. Also, we are brought to you by Mubi, the online streaming cinema where every day there... I'm sorry, I just saw one of the names of the movies <laughs> that's on Mubi and I just was like, hmm, that's a great question. The answer is probably no. Um, you get access to a new film every day for you to enjoy. Each film stays on their platform for 30 days. So you have a constantly rotating selection of 30 films to enjoy. Some of the stuff that is on there now, uh, the 2016 Israeli film In Between, the 2013 Michel Gondry film, is the man who is tall happy? <laughs> I'm a tall man. I can answer that. The answer is no. But <laughs> if you'd like to watch that movie, which is part of their unusual subjects documentary feature, uh, the same one that brought you Grizzly Man last week then uh, you can check it out on Mubi. We've also got uh, two Philippe Gorel films as part of their What is an Auteur series. That is A Burning Hot Summer and Frontier of Dawn. And a Lars von Trier movie, The Boss of It All. So, a bunch of great stuff on there. If you would like a free 30-day trial of Mubi, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. Again, that is mubi.com slash filmstage. And that's it. We are now ready for our feature review. Again, that is the documentary Cold Case Hammerskold. 
Uh, this is a great time to bring up the fact that uh, there's a lot of names in this film that might be difficult <laughs> for my unpracticed American tongue to pronounce. So just bear with us. Uh, this is a movie written and directed by Mads Brueger. And he is also the, I guess, quote unquote, star of it alongside Goran Bjorkdal. Again, this is a movie wherein he and Bjorkdal attempt to unravel the strange incident that uh, resulted in the death of Dag Hammarskjöld. And here is the trailer. So first sentence is, this could either be the world's biggest murder mystery or the world's most idiotic conspiracy theory. I know that I'm speaking for all my fellow Americans, expressing our deep sense of shock in the untimely death of the Secretary General of the United Nations, Mr. Dag Hammarskjöld. Dag Hammarskjöld was a strong-willed idealist. The problem facing the Congo is one of peace or war. That is why he flies in, hoping that he can broker a peace deal. And just as he is about to land, it crashes and he dies. All right, so that is the opening of the trailer for Cold Case Hammarskjöld. Again, the film that we will be talking about today. This <clears throat> film, while it does, you know, tread over what should be, I guess, well-known or at least known history, involves a lot of twists and turns. Uh, it's almost impossible to say what is or is not a spoiler. So very briefly, uh, I want to get everyone's thoughts on the films and uh, on the film and then a yes or no answer. Should people watch this? So Dan Schindel, why don't you start us off? Yeah. I would say yes, people should watch this. Um, if nothing else, it's always nice to have a film that can bring this kind of history back into the spotlight. Um, I think that there's a wealth of uh, that kind of history here, not just the death of Dag Hammarskjöld, but the um, crisis in Africa that he was actually trying to intervene in when he died. Um, and then, of course, when you get later into the film, there's issues around South Africa and other um, topical uh subjects around Africa and also Western powers intervening, you might say, in the region. Um, beyond that, on a filmmaking level, it's very entertaining. Uh, Bruger makes a lot of uh, very offbeat documentaries, and this is no exception. Um, it's a very fun movie to watch. Um, I think that if you consider yourself a conspiracy head at all, you'll have a lot of fun here. And even if you're not, I think you'll find it very enjoyable. All right. Bill Graham. Sure. Uh, I had very little introduction into this uh, kind of world and, and dog overall and uh, even the filmmakers. Um, and so I'm always here for a good uh, documentary, especially one that uh, is open about what its uh, kind of views and what its uh, uh, process is going to be. Um, and I definitely found a lot to uh, appreciate in that realm uh, from this. But uh, I think the internal mysteries uh, that this film kind of uncovers and ends up kind of laying out is uh, really intriguing and also like openly honest about uh, some of the findings and some of the realities of like what can and cannot be proven. Um, and so, yeah, I, I found this really, really fascinating. My, my girlfriend, uh, actually came in while, uh, she was cleaning in the, in the, uh, kitchen and then came back over and sat down for about 20 minutes towards the end of the film. And she was like, is this, 
is this real? <laughs> and I was like, yes, it is. And she was like, holy shit. Well, here's, like, a, yes. here's an important question. Does your fiance know that you have a girlfriend? Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I keep doing that. <laughs> anyway. <sighs> but yeah, uh, should people go see this? Absolutely. All right. Michael Snydell. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I mean, it's it's incredibly dense. I, I generally take notes during movies because... I don't know why, just because I do. Um, and I found that I was taking very little critical notes and more just like trying to keep track of all the names. You just got a kind yarn of the, wall going. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it, it, it does certainly have that that tendency like any like great historical documentary, you know, like any great historical documentary and documentarian, you know, whether you want to go to like Errol Morris's tabloid or, um, you know, like th there were any number of films that this kind of reminded me of in the ways that it's both playful in form, but also ultimately recognizes when it needs to be serious, which I really like. Um, I, I think this is like, I, it's, it was very interesting. I have to admit that like, I think I did <laughs> probably take this uh, to be a little bit more credible than even it is on the surface <laughs> in the sense that uh, I wasn't sensing how much of a provocateur he was until I read about it afterwards. I, Dan uh, already mentioned that he has kind of a history of uh, docu documentaries that are pretty um, – they, they, they're not – quite Michael Moore, but he's gotten uh, comparisons to Sasha Baron Cohen and other people who kind of, you know, do a little bit of an act in order to kind of unearth insights. And this is played a little bit more straight, but it is still, there's still a, just a, a fascinating level of, um, of kind of meta commentary that goes way beyond the history and goes way behind like, you know, you're watching people and you're like, are they lying right now? Or are they telling the truth? <laughs> and you feel a lot of that during the film. And, and so I think it's, it's ultimately pretty satisfying, but it, it's also a lot, but I don't think it could uh, ever be more digestible because there's already so many different working parts. So I wouldn't recommend this to everyone, but I, I would agree. Anyone who's whether they're into true crime or history or just a conspiracy nut, I think they'll find something to like here. All right. Um, as for me, I don't know how I feel about this movie. I, uh, I, I found it to be interesting and engrossing in watching it but in learning more about it and looking up stuff afterwards i find it to be how deep did you go brian uh pretty deep um <laughs> i read some new york times articles i read some uh some credit like uh just some review pieces that also just knew more about sure. this man and this story than i did and there was a new york times piece last week Actually, with the UN, was there not? Uh, yeah. Yeah, there's been a lot of stuff recently. Um, <clears throat> and so there's a part of me that, like, in watching this, I was like, this is a an interesting story. 
that um, I'm enjoying watching. But then once it gets into a certain point, I'm like, this is this is like some very dark subject matter. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of this I'm supposed to take at face value. The problem is the movie treats everything very seriously um, up to a point. And it, it just became this kind of this kind of tug of war with me between this is really interesting. And also I don't like conspiracy theories that have the, uh, that have the, like the possibility of leading to like very bad things. If they turn out to not be true, people believe them to be true. And this movie presents every interview and everything as though it's very upfront, but like in in thinking back on it, the amount of like hard evidence is very light, and so it becomes difficult for me to square what is a very interesting story with how it's presented as you know a possible reality, mm-hmm. which sort of adds to the fun of it, but <laughs> not in, only because I'm so far away from it, and it sort of makes me feel gross that I'm like. Oh, okay. Well, you know, this could all be bullshit and it could all be just like a horrendous, you know, slanderous lie, but it doesn't involve me or anyone I know. So that's fine because at least it's interesting. So, so did you feel manipulated then or is it a little bit more complex than it's a little more complex? I, um, I spent a lot of time going through conspiracies and we know it, this. Yeah. Uh, you know, like there's the flat earth, which is just hilarious because it's so wrong that it's almost becomes just a way to study how hard people are willing to fight to believe something that is seemingly patently ridiculous. And then there's stuff like the, the Franklin credit union, you know, pedophile ring scandal, which is... Oh yeah, everybody knows about that one. Yeah, totally. <laughs> do, you, do you all actually not know about it? No, I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh my god. Uh, so, <laughs> real brief. I it's hard to be brief. Um, basically, there was this guy, uh, Lawrence King, who ran the Franklin Credit Union in uh, um, in uh, Omaha, and there was this concept that like he he was indicted for embezzling funds and stuff but also there's this concept that he might be like the kingpin of a ring that like ran child pedophile like forced prostitution slavery rings that were a means of like entrapping people at the highest levels of government in order to like force policy and people believe that this happened there were like witnesses and everything but, you know, at that point, it's hard to know if, like, a witness is telling the truth or not. And there was never any firm evidence to support it. But there was a lot of scholarly and journalistic material written about it as though it were true. And then it's the type of thing where with the whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, it becomes difficult to say, like, well, this could never happen because clearly it did and it does. But we just don't know that it happened here. But that is like the type of thing that could ruin lives and lead people to do stuff like uh, when Pizzagate was a thing and that guy walked into a Comet mm-hmm. Pizza and Chevy Chase with a fucking gun. Mm-hmm. So my- like there's a part of my brain that like looks at this stuff and is like, well, isn't that interesting to think about? And then there's a part of my brain that realizes that sometimes conspiracy theories like this make people walk into places with guns. 
my attitude is that um, no amount of slander towards former regime of South Africa and its agents could ever measure up to like the actual shit they did. Only, only so much of which we actually know. Right. It's pretty sinister. Um, so I'm, I'm not too pressed about that. But then there's a part of me that's like, there's so much stuff that, that is provable that why don't you just prove that? Like, why not just uncover that? And this ah, is, that's not, that's not fun though. <laughs> that's, that's kind of the problem though, <clears throat> is that a lot of time, the reason that you got to get, you know, Mark Ruffalo to play a journalist is cause this shit's real boring. <laughs> Remember the Panama papers when like 14 journals and newspapers from across the world like wrote about like the tax haven and dark money center that is Panama and no one did anything. Well, there's a Soderbergh movie that premiered today. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah, he'll, Good. he'll Maybe help, us, get some he'll shit help us all ex- understand it. <laughs> Good. Uh, we, we should but, note that the journalist who was really big, um, in leading the coverage got fucking assassinated and that also got pretty much no attention. So, you know, everything's fine. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Are, are you talking about Susan Williams? Hold on. I don't remember. I think she was, um, ah, fuck. Uh, I'm going to Google Panama Papers journalist assassinated. Oh, uh, I thought Malta you were referring Carbom to the person. kills Panama Papers journalist. Yes. Ah. Yeah. Daphne Coruana. Oh, Daphne Galizia. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, um, you know, uh, just I'm sure totally unrelated. Yeah, no, I mean, people die in car bombings all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, Brian, your problem is that this is too plausible. That's what you're saying. Well, that's the thing. Is that, so, one of the reasons I love conspiracy theories is because it's it's fun to think that the world is more interesting than it actually is. You know, where, sure. you know, people latch on to stuff like Hillary Clinton has everyone murdered because the 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 accidental death during mugging of a DNC staffer is just a lame and horrifying reality of our modern world. But if Hillary Clinton had him murdered to cover up whatever the fuck that was supposed to cover up, then it's it's interesting and it gives the people in power who have a fair amount of influence over our lives a level of influence that lets us be right in our in our fear of them. Yeah, and, it also um, it's also telling because like we craft such theories around um, that kind of mundane uh, tragedy when, you know, if you want to talk about people Hillary Clinton has murdered, there are a lot of dead people as a result of coups in Honduras and Libya who you can look at. But, you know, we don't really generally care about well, people. That's just the, the cost, cost of, of doing business, baby. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, that's the thing. Like, we have, as a country, you know, done a lot of terrible things around the world. Um that are not conspiratorial. Like they're things that could be proven and like have kind of been, I don't know, declassified or just like owned up to. It's like, Oh, did we drop a bunch of locusts on a country to destabilize its uh, economy so that we could install a puppet government? Yeah, sort of. Mm-hmm. But you know, in a way this film is almost about all of like, it's about all of those conspiracy cases, not necessarily the influence they have, but like the, the impossibility of, of them ever really having a, a cogent end. Like, like I think that there is something valuable in focusing on a story that won't ever, won't ever be able to be proven, you know? Right. And that's, I, I, and I, 
there's yeah. there's a part of me that likes that like i love the fact that there's a point where they say like maybe this happened maybe it was the ravings of a madman maybe it was the soviet government trying to create a plausible thing just to destabilize the, the government of uh, its opposing nations sure who knows it's like cold war misinformation yeah like, is, is, is this the yeah. misinformation you're looking for? Is this the misinformation that's there to stop you from seeing the other misinformation, which is stop you there from seeing the truth? And it's, I find that interesting and fascinating. And I'm, I'm just not sure how well this movie makes that its thesis because it's still focused on trying to figure out something else. And, and the things that it does figure out seemingly I think would have been better off being the bulk of the movie rather than we got to talk spoilers. <laughs> yep. Um, so, so suffice to say, this is sure. a very entertaining movie. It's, it's, it's a movie that sent me into a conspiracy theory tailspin, <laughs> which, you know, I love. And um, I just don't know how I feel about the way that it presents its case. And I guess how little hard evidence there is. Cause at a certain point, it's it's like is this more work and and evidence and stuff than just you know spitballing bullshit with someone who's making everything up and owns up to it but is still a good storyteller hmm. so that's where yeah I, yeah uh, yeah it's a fair question and, um, and i think I think Adam Naiman actually got into this in his review, but he was saying that, like, you know, in some cases it's a, it's a litmus test in terms of how much are you or how easily you buy in. <laughs> it says a lot about, you know, your own worldview and your philosophies about, you know, the ruling class and, you know. Well, that, um, <clears throat> that's why people love conspiracies, because, yeah. like, if you hate. I don't know the the CIA and the U.S. government and everything. Then then these things are awesome because they give you all the reason you need to. You know, if you hate the 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 white ruling class and believe that they are like literally selling children for fun and profit, then things like the Franklin scandal or you know real things like Jeffrey Epstein are are just like fueled for the fire. But that cuts both ways because sometimes, you know, you have people who uh, pick on marginalized groups and create conspiracies therein. And um, and then that that leads to people, again, walking into places with guns. Yeah, um, I think that it, it's curious. The more I think about it, the more I wonder actually whether a conspiracy theorist would really be satisfied with this film. Because it's not like a lot of conspiracy <laughs> films where it's drawing up this grand narrative over time it's continually running into these walls it's hitting these dead ends it's going on these uh tangents that turn out to be shaggy dog stories mm -hmm. uh it's rep bruger is like reveling in essentially in the messiness of it all he can't actually find the linking thread he can't connect the dots he can't find most of the answers he's stunned when he actually finds new legit information <laughs> it sounds is very pissed <laughs> <laughs> it is very much like a movie that's more about conspiracy, the conspiracy theory mindset, than it is about actually finding this thread. And when he does like pull it out, you know, he really he's like very cautious. He has to tease out like, well, this could be bullshit, and we can't follow up on this. We don't have much to go on, um, and that it helps in the in this that the film's like very wry about it, like. 
Um, you call it serious, but I don't find it serious at all. It's just extremely dry. Um, <laughs> like true. it's, it's extraordinary Scandinavian sense of humor. Like in some of it's like hard to pick, like, I don't know, hard to pick up on, but it's just so understated. But if you spot it, then I, like I got belly laughs out of this film. Like the fact that at multiple points, well, they, um, they, they wear, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. They wear these like safari hats and the he mentions – Yes, yeah. that's literally what I'm about to say. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's just like to protect our Scandinavian skin. And it's like <laughs> you didn't have to use that hat though. Like it well, looks like you're, so, like you're a British like con, you know, uh, commander or something like that out at like the Panama Canal. It's well, just like what are you doing? The funny thing is that like scan, the, I, don't, I don't know if it's Scandinavian humor or humor about Scandinavians. But the thing always seems to be they're very serious and very absurd. <laughs> and this movie plays into that beautifully when he's like you know this is the equipment that i have for our, our thing you know i have uh two pith helmets and it's just like what that's where yeah. you start and then he's like i also have one metal detector two shovels and cigars yeah, that's actually that's actually really great because like he never has to actually come out and say like to the audience like you know we're two white Scandinavian guys investigating an African issue like something like that like very sardonically draws attention to it without anything having to be explicitly said but it lets you know that like they're in on the irony of the situation right and I was I was <laughs> there's a level of confusion that I had in watching this movie because I was like does he realize the optics of dictating this story? Dressed all in white, lounging in a chair in a to two in different African hotel to two different seemingly <laughs> interchangeable female black African secretaries. I think he totally does. I think that's incredible. I think he does too. I think that he gets yeah. there at the end, but I was just like, in first watching it, I was like, I don't know how I feel about this. Sure. It's a critique that uh, apparently he's faced in past films as well as his own myopia, uh, like uh, in, in being a white Scandinavian person often coming into different cultures and intervening, you know, in, in, in a provocative way. Hmm. But I, I, I did. The one thing I would like push back on that a little bit, though, is that I think that after that first hour, I, I don't need to quite get into spoilers yet, but after that first hour it, it very distinctly changes tone, you know, to avoid a bad faith, like, you know, interpretation of the events. And and I do think that is something that, you know, separates it from something like, you know, the, the imposter is a movie that I come back to a, a lot in. Um, have you guys seen the imposter? Yes. Mm-hmm. I, the imposter is something I come back to where I, I'm very uncomfortable with how that film resolves because it, like this, although it doesn't explicitly say that it becomes about something else, it very much changes course in the last 20 minutes and kind of plays it not as a joke, but as a true crime. Like, can you believe that this is happening? And I, I you know, like an unsolved mysteries level of um, kind of um, incredulousness. And, and I think by by taking such a serious, but still, still clever thing, you know, there's a there's a great moment where you think a, a well, one of the main sources is going to be anonymous, <laughs> and then they just move the camera over, and they're yes. like, oh no, here's here's what he looks like. <laughs> like that, I got a great laugh out of that. But I still think uh, again that that tone change is so much why this film 
works for me. So that's, I guess, why I focus on the seriousness. Yeah, because that so makes any sense. The movie, we, I guess, we're in spoilers now, <clears throat> and um, sure. the movie begins looking at Doug Hammarskjöld and the uh, the death that happened there, and it becomes clear at some point that like they're not going to find a, a solid you know final answer to this this question of what happened and that's pretty early kind of, on too. What was that? <laughs> pretty early on they find that out too yeah so like when when everything's kind of falling apart they're like okay so here's the thing this is why we went and like you know added in the pith helmets and looking around and um this is why you know i decided that i was gonna play solitaire with a deck that's full <laughs> full of the ace of spades which is definitely something that i feel like i have seen in a documentary before uh, that just that's such a right touch that it almost feels like it should be in like a documentary now sketch <laughs> um this concept of like the clues were overwhelming me and everything was the ace of spades and then he talks about like you know, the actresses that he hired to play the secretaries, and he's like, why were there two of them? I don't know. It was an experiment. I was just trying to cover up my journalistic failure with all this cool stuff. And then the worst possible thing happens, like we actually found something. And then that's when it kind of switches into this story of Samir, the uh, South African Institute for Maritime Research, a thing that they have been tr like trying to find any evidence of. That, you know, we see an actual real footage of, like, the Truth and Reconciliation Committee. And and uh, and then we find out this, like, crazy story that they that existed. It had maybe as many as 500 people in it. They were trying to spread AIDS and HIV through fake vaccinations. No, 5,000 people, not 500. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, 5,000. 5, yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, and a bunch of other stuff that they, they definitely probably killed Dag Hammarskjöld. They killed, um, the woman's name, uh, Dagmar the, the Fell. The sister. Yeah, Fell. Yeah. The, the sister. And Fell just, as well. and just a bunch of other stuff. And the, again, the only issue is that, like, they're one, they're like one actual source is a guy who's like, yeah, I did that. <laughs> and, uh, I'm fine talking about it and hanging out and, and talking about all this stuff. But it's he's kind trying of to make peace. I mean, that's that's a little unfair to say that he's like unperturbed. By I don't. What he he didn't, I mean, you know, your mileage will vary like looking at him, but he didn't seem like he was too upset about what he'd done. I, I think I think he's he's showing a little bit of remorse, but then you also learn that like he basically left that area shortly after the documentary was made, well, yeah, now and, and that he's also working with the UN. Yeah, so, so it's, it's like, interesting. It, it's it definitely lends a little bit more credence when you kind of realize, like, yes, he is kind of you know <sighs> opening this door. But also is like, and I need to close that other one behind me, probably, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like if, if even if I am making up a, a bunch of bullshit, like I probably need protection. Yeah, and, and you see you see people like him in conspiracy thought a lot. You know, there's the the eyewitness the or the credible source. witness, you know, who, who goes to the grand jury and says his piece and then like, you know, later on gets indicted for perjury. Because it turns out that they're just lying. So, like, I don't. They, it's curious to me because I wonder how much my knowledge of other such conspiracies 
taints my ability to look at anything in this with too much credulity. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know, you, you say, like, he left and then he talked to the UN. Like, that must lend some credence. But, like, you know, that doesn't mean fucking anything. Sure. People go and they talk in front of juries and stuff all the time just because they're they're bored or they're crazy or they just they want to be part of a story. Mm-hmm. So it's it's curious to me. Like, it's I... I it's I can't think of the right way to say this. I want this to be true, but not because of what happened. I just want like if this is a thing that happened, I want justice for it. Mm-hmm. And I I hate to think that someone would do that, but I've seen way too many times in the past that people do do that. I could not tell you how credible I do or don't find the whole idea, just because I don't have conspiracy brain. Like I can't <laughs> keep track of all this shit. Like I, when movies like this, I enjoy the ride, but whenever I am very prone to like, when someone comes up and like, wait, have we seen them before? What are, who are they again? Wait, what's that organization? I don't, I could be, I would never be a good conspiracy theorist. I can't, (laughs) I can't immerse myself in Reddit boards and 4chan to like keep track of all these characters and incidents. They have the same issue because they're talking yeah, about that's why, yeah that's why I really jive with movies. It's like they filmmakers feel almost as lost as I do, like trying to work <laughs> through all this shit. They're like Dagmar Field is dead, and they're like, oh okay, that's that's this Copperfield one, right? Or Campbell, and it's like, no, no, Campbell is someone else completely, <laughs> and I've already yeah, forgotten it, how she fits in. It, it it was it was funny because it's the guy that with with the the piece of the Land Rover that is the one that initially started all of this investigation. You would think that he would have his shit together the most, but it's actually the documentary uh, documentarian that is like correcting him in the middle of like one big interview with like their, their key main source that that kind of exchange happens where he's, he's like confusing two different people and (laughs) documentarians just like, no, 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 hold on. Um, That's wrong. It was actually this person. That's who we're talking about. Wrong person. Okay, let's move forward with this interview. <laughs> In fairness, uh, Mads is a journalist and Goran is an aid worker. So, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Even though they constantly refer to him as a private investigator. Well, he is, technically. That's true. Anyone's a private investigator. <laughs> I'm a private <laughs> I, investigator I don't if think I you Wikipedia have to have hard a, enough. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think you have to have a, a license for that. Technically, you do, but not on the internet. In terms of in terms of form, Bill, you brought up something really interesting there in the sense that I, I mean, it's not it, it's not uh, groundbreaking. It, it, yeah, it's not groundbreaking. But having uh, Mads be such a large part of these talking head interviews does add something very strange. I mean, that that moment you just spoke of where he where, you know, uh, Yoran wants to say something and he's like he jumps on him like, no, let me finish my question. <laughs> like it, it, it's very interesting. Like, you know, I've seen some uh, a, a good comparison i saw was it was like uh werner herzog on sudafed and uh cold brew (laughs) but i i do think it's interesting that you know his narration voice is very mellow but his actual presence is very nervy like he's a very anxious person to be around Mm -hmm. and i think that that uh, uh, those are a number of things that like further kind of underline what what brian's talking about like that not necessarily unreliability, but that sense of uh, suspension 
that all of the facts are uh, are, are placed in, in this film that I, that I find really interesting. I, I, I guess like maybe a, a better question for you, Brian, is like I, I don't want you to <laughs> read to make this movie, but I'm but I'm saying you said that you wished that the I, I, the HIV or spreading HIV was the bulk of this film. I'm I'm curious how you even imagine that, uh, given <laughs> the lack of you know uh, lack of valid evidence or not valid well, but they, uh, I, you, concrete so, evidence. So I went to journalism school. So I you know <laughs> I I like I whenever I see sure. something like this or I read a news article or something, <clears throat> I I do a lot of like thinking in the back of my head because like when you write fiction, you can fucking make anything up that you want. You know like. I always think about um Lord of the Rings how the how it almost feels like uh, Tolkien was like oh man this this enemy army I've made is just way too crazy there's no way they can logically win but what if they were a ghost army <laughs> that I never mentioned before that Aragorn could go to and just like say hey ghosts help me out and then the ghosts help him out like that's the type well, also of- at first are like no, you can't be here. You are not a ghost, which means yeah. we must kill you. And then Aragorn's like, no, no, no. I have the blood of whichever king put you here. And they're like, oh, sweet. Okay, sure. Let's do it then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, like <laughs> that that's, sounds logical. That to me is like real bad writing. And so, but like, I then I read a book like um, I'm reading a book called The Midnight Assassin by uh, Skip Hollinsworth. And it's about the first documented serial killer in America that like terrorized Austin for like a year. And there's so much detail and the, the, the bibliography at the back, you know, the citations and stuff is like 400 pages long. And I'm just like, this is like some real good solid investigation that is then cobbled together so artfully, you know, the devil in the white city is the same so artfully that it feels like a propulsive narrative. And I guess, like, if I were uh, Bruger and I had the time and the the availability, you know, I would go find where these uh, these clinics were supposedly set up. I'd I'd look into the history of ownership. I would uh, interview every single human being who ever visited or or went there or or had a memory of. I would, you know, you pick a thread and you follow it back. And you just get some even circumstantial anecdotal evidence. But for it to hang all of its statements on this one man and these weird fictitious manuscripts that this crazy person was apparently writing about his own life. Just his wife certainly didn't believe that he was a you know had a, a coherent organization no he, which I, I found fascinating the guy reminds but, but, me honestly again, of of dale gribble from king of the hill mm-hmm. you know just like a, a crazy person with too much time and energy mm-hmm. who like invites a shit ton of people over to cosplay as like revolutionaries against the new south africa that he doesn't like and who makes up a bunch of shit that also feels kind to I mean they're fucking white supremacists. Let's, let's Well yeah, but like, you know, that's the thing here. is that like I don't know how you hear me calling someone Dale Gribble kind. That seems like a, a defeating insult. But yeah, it just it seems like yeah, he's like a white supremacist who had this kind of like concept and, and liked cosplaying like the Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, where it's like, ah, one day 
one day I'll like enact my evil plan. <laughs> and uh I don't know, it's it's very strange. I just I kind of wish that like yeah, like you know, keep up the hammersold thing cuz that's a good not like known peg to hang everything on, but like shift a little earlier like say that you just say that you couldn't get any digging permits at the airport or something you know cut out a few of the moments where you're just reciting things to a secretary who occasionally asks you a question and like spend more time trying to verify any aspect of this guy's story about these clinics like that's some fucked up nonsense like why is why would the moment you hear that don't you throw out the rundown and start trying to to find more information about that? But he spent six years, and you know, uh, Dan, didn't you actually interview him? And he said a, a rough cut was something like five hours as well. I, I mean, not that you know, yes, rough uh, cuts are often long. Yeah, but. It's it, it, yes, I did. It's also worth noting that um, Bruger and um, some of her journalists, Emma Graham Harrison and Andreas Roxen, actually did present their findings in, in an Guardian article. Like, I think it was right around the time the film premiered at Sundance. So you almost could see the film as a background to this. They do actually have a more formal, uh, quote-unquote, professional uh, analysis of this. And I think they actually might have published more findings uh, on the case since then. Um, they do actually – you said – you asked why I don't go to a clinic, but they do actually go to one of the former clinic locations in the film, I recall. Um I I assume honestly my assumption like with any of those questions is that it probably didn't show up just because they didn't think it was as interesting to show because it really is like less about finding this actual answer than it is about probing those actual those questions about conspiracy and that's not that's is obviously unsatisfying if you really want the answers here mm-hmm. um, but this is a film that like purposefully confounds your desire for answers, which is defying the very nature of conspiracy theorizing itself, which I think actually fits really well into what the film uh, tries to do, tries to do. Yeah. This, that actually is a good point. It's, this is my sort of least favorite kind of conspiracy theorizing where, you know, a person will, will just shout about like Coca-Cola buying water and bear pharmaceutical like you know and you know what they're doing and you know then just like it ties in like the Bilderberg group and the people who built the railroad and you know the composition of asphalt in certain American highways and you're just like okay Derek but what does that have to do with anything and he's like I'm just asking questions and I hate that. You know, at least tell me the reptilians are puppeting us into their feed centers in some way through all of this stuff, man. Like, give me a narrative. I, Wrap it up. I, I think, I think. <laughs> Michael, are you okay? I, I think, I think this uh, documentary does a little bit better job than that. But I mean, if, if you're trying to look for answers through this documentary, um, I think it would be unjust and stupid for them to be like this is this is how we're going to reveal that um so you know you would hope that that information would come out a little bit sooner um Mm -hmm. than them having to edit and put this together and do all that kind of shit um i remember having an argument with someone recently about like whether artificial sweeteners were like toxic and stuff like that and she basically said well i watched this documentary and i said Eh, 
you should not have to watch a documentary to uncover this kind of information. That information should be on scientific journals. It should be out there. It should not have, you shouldn't have to watch basically film propaganda to uncover the mysteries of artificial sweeteners. Like that's not, that's not how artificial sweeteners are chemically castrating our male population to lead to a population (laughs) decrease so that Democrats can bring immigrants into America, but also Artificial sweeteners are totally fine, but Monsanto, who wants to make money off their genetically modified sugar, is trying to keep them going. That is, uh, that's way too articulate cosplay you got there, Brian. (laughs) I'm really good at this. (laughs) Did you not hear me talk about the reptilians? But yeah, I, I think, I think this is, this is both to inform a little bit. It's mainly for you, for kicking open that door of, hey, let's talk about this, and also to entertain because that's that's the whole setup of this narrative device that he's employing and you know utilizing throughout this this uh, documentary and the way that like they even make these kind of comics and kind of uh little little animation snippets which i found like really kind of endearing in a way even though it's obviously talking about some sinister shit at at some points um but yeah it it was it was fascinating to watch and i think it's engrossing in that at that level and that's why i appreciate it more than necessarily is it telling a story that is to be true right and i mean we had this giant issue when the the podcasting stuff the true crime podcasting stuff really kicked off with uh what's what's the podcast that i can't think of right serial yeah like that was a fascinating incredibly uh uh propulsive like documentarian style podcast was it necessarily true was everything that she discovered necessarily true you know and then you go ahead and (laughs) well and then you end up having like these podcast spinoffs that uh, continue the Adnan Syed uh, trial and and all of that and they find so much more information that even you know the the main uh, woman from Serial didn't, and you're just like, wait, why the fuck didn't you? Like, you did how many hours of research and and uncovering and this, and then you didn't find, you didn't tell us about like X, you know, and Y, and you're just like, why? Why didn't you tell us about that? And so there's a lot of like different flip sides to these kind of arguments, and and ultimately like. In in this world that we live in, unfortunately, even when something is true, it's really fucking hard to be to like point at something and say this is true, like without a shadow of a doubt, this is true. Because people will always find some kind of little wiggle room to say, eh, but what about this? And you're just like, ah, fine. You know, I'll spend four hours talking about that then. <laughs> well, <laughs> you that's, know? that's the interesting thing is that there's a there's a balance you have to strike Um, because if you have a theory and you're trying to put it out there, you may elide over some aspects of the, like the truth or some pieces of evidence that will 
it's confirmation too much conflict yeah Yeah, in in your brain confirmation bias yeah so like you know if you're a flat earther and you need to explain i don't know literally everything (laughs) about the cosmology of the universe you will either uh forget to bring it up or you will come up with an insane reason for it the or or you can just simply say have you ever been to outer space huh yeah no (laughs) well exactly have you ever been to rhodesia um so it's it's because i there is a part of me that's like i appreciate a story that's willing to wrap up you know just be be like this is as far as i got i don't know i'm gonna edit this and put some credits on it but there's still a part of me that's like just take the next step just like say what you you think make the story and just put it out there and then let me tear it apart if I want to. You know, I, I'm torn between which is the better option because one of them feels, you know, like turning in all your research instead of writing your term paper. And the other one feels like turning in a term paper and just generally not citing any of your sources. This has me thinking about um, cons- in the realm of conspiracy documentary, it's mostly occupied by um, the cranks of our culture mm-hmm. um, on the margins. Its primary playground is YouTube. Um, it is not generally the uh, it's not generally like explored by respectable or professional documentarians. I think that the most prominent example is probably the Loose Chains trilogy. Oh, uh, yeah. so it's always interesting when uh, a any kind of uh, conspiracy documentary actually makes it into uh, res- the respectable realm. I'm thinking of like a few years ago, there was that movie, The Russian Woodpecker, uh, that documentary, mm. which I I, had, I would highly recommend. Um, it's one of those things where regardless of whether you're convinced or not, it makes you want to be convinced because it makes such a good, compelling case for like its theory. It's a ton of fun. But mostly they are not professionally made. They are mo- they are constructed out of voiceover and stock footage and alarming edits, uh, both uh, formally and forcefully alarming. Uh, so <laughs> don't forget also that they almost uniformly will use that clip from Men in Black where oh, Tommy yeah. Lee Jones says, a person is smart. People are stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Also, yeah, so the, the, anything from the Matrix. Yeah. Yeah. The pool of quote unquote legitimate conspiracy documentaries is pretty small. And I think that the fact that this one is so circumspect about actually uh, identifying any concrete thesis or explanation for the events makes it really stand out. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was it? I think, ah, shit. Hasn't, haven't there been like not one, but two documentaries, like not YouTube documentaries, but legit documentaries positing that uh, Courtney Love actually killed Kurt Cobain? There was think, uh, um, a, a montage of hack. No, no, no. That wasn't, that's just a more of a bi- biographical yeah, one. Uh, one of them, I think, is soaked in bleach. Yes, yes, that's it. Yeah, uh, that's one of them. I think yeah. the other one's just, uh, I don't remember what it's called. I might just say, oh, I think it's Kurt. Yeah, Kurt and, Court, Kurt and Courtney. Although I guess it's less a that's less conspiracy one than just more generally investigating the circumstances of his death. Um, Is yeah. that Broomfield? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I remember I liked Montage of Heck. Um, soaked oh, in good. Bleach, because and that one was just more like this is who Kurt Cobain was. Yeah. Soaked in Bleach is Tom Grant, a private investigator once hired by Courtney Love, reveals his take on the death of Kurt Cobain. <laughs> reveals it over the course of an hour and a half 
And of course, um, there are times when the respectable documentarians dip into conspiracy theory. Like, I think Michael Moore does that at least once, if not multiple times, when basically any of his given films. Uh, I remember especially, like, that struck me about Fahrenheit 9-11, because I saw it years and years after there was any hype. And there were just all these, like, ideas about the Bush family's ties to different oligarchs that were supposedly... He didn't come out and say, but like, oh, you know, maybe they did 9-11, but that was sort of a suggestion and doesn't really get followed up on. And obviously, with the benefit of hindsight, we're like, well, that didn't go anywhere. Now, did it? <laughs> yeah, that's um, that's one of the that's one of those events that like you can find conspiracies to fit anything regarding 9-11. Um, it's uh and it's yeah i remember loose change was like the first conspiracy thing that i came across i guess really like you know i'd heard of the jfk assassination and everything but like when when you come at something like that from like a period of like 40 years you're just like well there's just a bunch of crazy people who think that jfk was killed by more than one person but when you live through 911 and then like i don't know 4 years later loose change hits and you're like, my God, this thing goes all the way to the top. <laughs> and I had a bunch of friends who like legitimately believed it because they were like, there's voiceover and edits. And I bought a DVD and I was just like, all right, um, calm well, down. And, and and now, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to get really fucking weird in in our world because of the deep fake stuff. And, you know, what I, I think I think it was Adobe that it was at some kind of event. They were mentioning how they basically have the ability to take a certain amount of of verbal uh, communication from someone and basically arrange it. So it sounds like they say exactly what you want them to say. Yeah in audio file and they were basically like we have this technology we're not going to release it and a lot of people were like wait i think there was um there was another why thing would you was... tell us that then <laughs> there's another <laughs> but that, also... similar to that bill where a company was like we've created a bot and it can write a news article oh no those are real no and but they said like this one is so good that we're not going to release it because oh, it will yeah. like some of them are like you know, just taking a police blotter report and like changing a couple of names or changing like a couple of words and just running everything down. Yes, but this one was text. like, yeah. we can create fake quotes. We can then use the bot to make that thing so that you can link to it. It's, <laughs> um, it was bad. It was real bad. They were like, this is too dangerous. This will create hell on earth. We're not going to release it. Mm -hmm. Sorry, uh, just repeating police blotter. You mean like actual journalism? Ho, ho, ho. No, no. sorry. No, yeah, I um, I remember when I was uh, in journalism school. Uh, the second time I get to plug that fact on this podcast today. I um, I was in charge of like following and writing news articles about a local township, and I there was a lot of that. It was like, all right, you know, the police put out a PR thing. Now write about it. And I, being the industrious young man that I was, um, going to some caps meetings, Brian. Did you say CAPS meetings? Yeah, did, did you not have CAPS meetings? What the hell is a CAPS meeting? What, what's a CAPS Is that a Chicago thing only? Fine, uh, fine. Yep. 
Yep, yep. <laughs> not, not aldermans, though. Just, no, just not aldermans. But I mean, I, I assume that the alderman <laughs> goes there every now and then. Well, what does a caps mean? What does it stand for? Something? Chicago for- area police. What? Uh, community advocate service. I don't remember. It's it's where the community comes to, you know, um, voice complaints and what talk the to. Fuck? Yeah, Interesting. Uh, to the police. Yeah. But so like, so what I was gonna say is like, you know, you get the police report run down, and most of the times, you know, they give you all the information you need. But like, I was the only, I was the one weirdo. I called up the police uh, press secretary for this like small town near me, and they were like, "You want to talk to who?" And I was like, "Yeah, I have some questions about this thing." And they're like, "What do you mean you have questions? Like, we put out the press release." <laughs> <laughs> it was like, "I have questions regarding the press release," and so I started off as a thorn in their side but then after a while they actually liked talking to me um which uh was good and bad because sometimes they gave me way too much information (laughs) um like the time that like i like an infant was found dead in like a dumpster and i called just for like clarity on one thing and i ended up talking to one of the people who found her i was like this is uh dark i am 20 years old i don't need this in my life (laughs) i just this is really fucking me up and then the time that, um, speaking of conspiracy theories, this is fun. There was a guy who was found stabbed to death on the side of the road. And so I um, was like, that seems like a, a pretty extreme crime. You know, we don't usually get that a lot here. I'm going to go through the last couple months and see what other stabbing incidents there were in this area. And all of them were gang related. Mm. And so I started writing up this report and I was like, you know, man stabbed, blah, blah, blah um you know other stabbings in the area include these you know all these are gang related and then i like launched into a giant thing about how like the the bloods and the crips were like trying to get into the area but they were like butting up against ms-13 and i called for a final statement before we went to press and um they were like can we call you back in five minutes and i was like i have to go to press in 10 minutes like you need to give me my information now and they're like no 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 five minutes we promise we'll call you back brian we like you and it turned out that like the reason they couldn't tell me anything is because they were right about to go arrest the people who did this. And it was him and a friend got in an argument. He was like, fuck you, Dan. I'm going to walk home. And then Dan hops in his car, says, hey, man, I'm sorry. Get in the car. I'll drive you home. And the second he gets his car, Dan just stabs him and then pushes him out of the side of the road. So it wasn't anything to do with any of the gangs. All of my reporting on like spikes and gang violence was meaningless because I couldn't peg it to this story, which basically boiled down to drunk idiot murders best friend over dumb argument. <laughs> That's the way some of these threads unravel. Yeah. It <laughs> yeah. sucked. I, I, I think so I think the, the the worst thing that happened to me was uh I I called the coach of a local soccer team. Uh they had lost and I was trying to get a quote from them after the game and I called him at about oh 9:30 or so. Um and he basically yelled at me for calling him late and waking up his family. And I was like <laughs> Oh, oops. And like, I turned it over to my editor and he was like, yeah, don't worry about that. He didn't say it was off the record. So (laughs) it was just like, "Eh, don't, don't worry about that. That guy just lost the game. Um, you don't need to fret about that. And I was like, I feel real bad. Uh, a a similar (laughs) thing that happened to me. I tried, like there was a, there was a girl on the girls basketball team who -hmm. was like the best player in like the state. And I called up, we were going to do a profile on her, um, but she 
refused to talk about herself like in any way she was just like i just like my team is so great the coach is so great i'm like okay fantastic Brittany. why don't you tell me a little bit about you like what you do she's like i just don't want the focus to be on me i'm like then you should be a worse player <laughs> Britt, i really need you to talk about yourself just give me a quote and so like i i can understand just through all that like the difficulties of reporting stuff and and how i there's a part of me that wonders at what point when you're making a documentary like this because like we said it takes place over years this is clearly a thing that's been in the ether you know this this man was killed in 1961 how do you ever know that you're done like how do you how do you look at like this ending point and you're like okay good enough let's uh Let's start. The yeah. Next. And I mean, I've asked documentarians about this and they're just like, you, you just at some point and, and it's the same thing with a film, right? If you ask most filmmakers, they will say they never want to be done with a film. They want to continue to edit. They want to continue to. And if you're Francis Ford Coppola, your dream can be true. Well, or George Lucas. Michael um, Mann. But yeah, it's one of those things where at what point do you say this is enough information? This is a complete story because until someone ends up going to jail or, you know, and that process could take 15, 20 years. Mm -hmm. So do you wait that long or do you just go ahead and, and publish your, your findings and everything like that, you know? So, um, and, and that's, ultimately why I kind of come down on this documentary the way that I do where I'm like, well, it gives me enough to chew on to go out and continue to hopefully find that thread. Um, you know, I think some of the best works out there don't actually end up having a conclusion, um, which is unfortunate, but that's kind of our, our reality where we find this really interesting thing. And then, in five months, we've not forgotten about it, but we sure. we don't set up email alerts for like that information. We're just like, eh, if, if it'll if if it happens, it happens. Um, if it doesn't, it doesn't. But I'm not gonna you know <laughs> sit here and and fret about it. You know, uh, yeah. If the Panama so. Papers are that important, surely someone will be arrested. <laughs> That's yeah, I mean. If for all the social advocacy do documentaries out there, you know, I mean, I, Bill was already talking about, you know, the stevia propaganda, but, <laughs> uh, you know, I, any number of those, like it's so few of those actually lead to any change. And, and even, you know, the landmark documentaries throughout history, you know, there's so few, you know, whether it was based on well, a criminal case or. Like, like, look at the the cove, the one about sure. the dolphins in, uh, was that Taipei or, uh, Japan. huh? Japan. Yeah. But, uh, what, what's, what's the actual, like, I, I thought, uh, it's an actual area in Japan that specifically, um, I can't remember the name of it, but, um, anyways, you know, that whole situation with like, you know, even the whales and how it kind of ends up, uh, talking about the entire ecosystem of that, um, you know, ultimately did they make long lasting change? No, but they made an impact. At least they certainly brought a lot of people's attention towards that. 
but then it starts to get into this muddy water of, you know, what is their history versus, you know, as some kind of outside influence that's like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And it's like, yeah, I've been doing this for 250 years. What are you talking about? Sure. You know, and yeah, it's like it, that starts to get into some really fucking gray area where it's like, you know, and we have this uh, reputation as Americans, um, whether it's given to us fairly or not, where we basically stick our nose into things that, you know, we maybe shouldn't. And we're like, hey, you shouldn't do that. And they're like, who the fuck are you? Like, <laughs> I've been doing this forever, you know, and it's just like, uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> that, um, by the way, Taipei is in, uh, I believe, Taiwan. Taiwan? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, right. But the place that you're talking about is uh, Taiji? Taiji. Okay, yeah. there we go. T-A-I-J-A, or J-I. Okay. Yes. Yeah, I, I realized, do we have anything else we want to say about the film since we got on a, a, a tangent? Let's call it that. <laughs> well, you know, the, the movie brings up a lot of questions about documentary and the concepts of truth and like what as it does but it's it's yeah. interesting nonetheless that we're talking so much about the veracity of the information within considering that you know it, this never purports to be you know solely journalism it's it's a it's is a narrative it that has been dictated by by mads i mean i i i wonder whether we're getting into too into the weeds by talking so much about uh, our, our own experiences with journalism and, and what we expect and what we desire from this when, as we've kind of uh, over and over kind of skirted around or not skirted, but uh, beat to death is this idea that it was always meant to be incomplete. It was always meant to be about a mindset more than, you know, the actual events. Well, Dan, Dan Schindel, as our local, our local, our resident <laughs> documentary expert, I have no idea where you are. You could be local. Um, where are you anyway? New York. No, no, you're not local to any of us. <laughs> <laughs> what are you like? What are your thoughts on like the question of if it's a documentary, if it's put out into the world as a documentary, does it have like a reasonable expectation of being true or at least being something earnestly believed by the documentarian themselves? Well, again, I think that Bruger does honest, uh, honestly believe it. I think that it is presented with a very um, sardonic edge. Uh, but I think that he's making very plain like what he's presenting for Wink in it. Uh, and he's also very careful not to make too many honestly definitive statements on anything. And that ambivalence like soaks through the film. It's actually like one of the most – one of the least like – um, one of the least assertive documentaries I've seen in a while on that front, just very open about its own construction, the way that he's talking to not one but two different secretaries, the way that he's constantly undercutting the tropes of document of documentary and cr crime documentary, especially like with the, oh, we're going to actually show you his face and all that. And this is something he's done with his other films, like The Ambassador and The Red Chapel, where he constructs this scenario for you and then draws attention to the artifice in the in a in order to get you to think about real issues. And here the real issue is like less concrete than it was in his previous films. Like The Red Chapel was 
look at North Korea. Ambassador was about um, democratic, uh, not uh, diplomatic uh, corruption in Africa. And this one is more about the whole idea basically of constructing these narratives um, because the whole idea about, of a conspiracy theory is that it imposes this order on the chaos of reality. And here, the more that he digs, the more chaos he finds. And the movie gets its hook from the fact that out of that chaos, he di- actually digs an actual possibly, maybe it is, maybe it's not, but this possibly legitimate thing. And it's all so messy and it's all the information is so old that it might be impossible for him to ever definitively say like – what actually happened, particularly given that, you know, he's working on his own timeline to actually make a film than he is and to actually provide those answers. So on that front, I think that it's pretty open. Uh, and I actually, I always like when documentaries basically encourage the viewer to question like any idea of it presenting an objective truth. Uh, you know, in an ideal world, we would all view every documentary of such an eye, but we can't always ask that of viewers. Uh, so I do like that it basically trains the viewer to question the whole premise of conspiracy theorizing, even as it really wallows in it. And I would say that actually the fact that we went into the weeds of like other subjects would is perfectly appropriate for talking about a conspiracy theory movie. Like if we hadn't, then maybe it wouldn't have done its job properly. Sure. But I, I think I think ultimately this feature, the reason it has the runtime that it does and everything like that is because it's it, in many ways it is meant to be a piece of entertainment, easily digestible. Um, and I think it succeeds wildly on that front at the very least. It is a compelling case of of narrative, kind of journey that this guy went through where he was pulled on one thread and then basically the whole yarn ball ended up falling on him. He's like, Oh shit. (laughs) You know, it's just like, Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, I, 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 and you know, it's interesting because at, at a, at a certain point he almost seems like he's going to give up and then they do kind of the boots on the ground, research that you so often do not end up seeing through a lot of these documentaries um where they basically are like fuck it let's just call these people and then okay we called this certain amount of people let's just show up to some of these other people's homes (laughs) which which seems fucking bananas also when they're talking about like a shadowy paramilitary organization but at that point they didn't know half of what they were even talking about because all they had to go off of was this fucking weirdo Commodore dude. And it's like, it's surprising how little danger there is in this movie considering the places it goes. (laughs) Sure. You know, and I think, uh, I think part of that is just simply, you know, uh, surrounding the fact that, you know, whether this organization exists or not, whatever you want to kind of say, um, certainly the the guy that they're Alexander Jones, I believe, which is hilarious that his name is basically <laughs> Alex Jones. Um, but uh, oh he, no, he basically, <laughs> and there's the real conspiracy. Yeah, he, he basically is like, yeah, you know, here's our former barracks and stuff like that. So it's very obvious that like 
whatever foothold they had in that area has dissipated to the point where they don't really have like a standing army anymore. Certainly, you know, mm. um, so it's ancient history. Yeah, it yeah. seems like and the so, Commodore died, and then everyone was like, uh, I don't know. I yeah, guess we're done. We're yeah, I, I do love that older woman. I can't remember who she's related to. Her older, the older woman's reaction when she's like, "Oh, is this like about yeah?" Is that was this the about wife of the guy who Robert supposedly yes. shot him down, right? Yeah, the Red Baron, I think, or the Red the Lone Ranger. Red, the Lone Ranger. You're thinking but of he also had, Red Bill. Well, he also had a different uh, code the name. Yeah, it no, was there was the Lone, Lone Ranger, Red. and then there was Congo Red, who was a different guy. Uh huh. And then oh, there was the Commodore. Yes. Yeah. Okay. But either way, I yarn well. What are you, like? What are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I really did love that reaction, though, and and I did think that in some way that's a that's a good summarization of you know some of the people they contact, and they're like, <laughs> well, "How'd you get my cell phone number? <laughs> that's not public." There was like, um, it, it's interesting to me that like there's a lot of this movie where I was like. Is that does this feel like a revelation just because I don't know what's going on? Because it's like this one guy is like, yeah, of course he shot him down. He told everyone all the time. It was the pride of his life that he shot down this plane. And I'm just like, so this isn't even like a cover up. This is just a yeah. thing that most people don't know. Yes. Yeah. And and I liked I liked how he uh, he at one point asked his his former paramilitary like friend he's like why didn't y'all go to the cops and and like go to the press and he just like shrugs his shoulder he's yeah. like oh, <laughs> it was widely known why the fuck would i go to the police like the police probably knew this so what the fuck is going on like what do you mean why didn't i go to the press everybody knew it so i yes. don't know in, in, apartheid, in apartheid South Africa, you should definitely report to the police about an anti-black uh, paramilitary thing. They'll definitely get right on it. Yeah. Well, I think, was, did well, he, he, was, he was in Brussels. I yeah, he, he was talking to the Belgium like guy who was friends with the guy who shot down Dag. Oh, that's right. And it's just yeah. like, fucking everyone knew. He just talked about it all the time. His AIM handle was, I killed Dag. <laughs> Be right back shooting down Dag, LOL. Like, yeah. Down in these shrimp, like I downed Dag. Hashtag lobster fest. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just got dark. Just, like, yeah. But yeah, that, he, he seemed very, very fucking nonchalant about it. And it was just like, yeah, I, I love, I just love that documentary question. He's just like, why didn't you tell anybody? And he's just like, what, what are you talking about? Like everybody knew. So why would I tell anybody? Yeah, so it was it was weird because there's a part of me that's like I'm sure if like like if I watched a documentary about someone who was killed somewhere and everyone knew who did it, it would seem like a shocking revelation to me. But everyone in that community would be like, well, yeah, of course, like we all know this. Like, so there was a part of me that was like, is it almost making fun of me for not having really heard of or investigated this before? Sure, like how many people knew a dog hammer? hammer scold and like i'll raise my hand i have no fucking clue who that dude was and i'm seeing president kennedy like make a speech from the white house like how everybody is shocked and dismayed at at his death and i'm like who huh i legitimately what? knew nothing about this movie before putting it on to yeah. the point that when it opened in africa i was like i thought this took place in like scandinavia 
Because <laughs> I just assumed knew. it was a cold case. Clearly an old case, but maybe it's also very cold in Scandinavia. And then you see that name. Clearly and you're like, this oh. town of Hammerskold is. And I'm like, oh, it's a man? <laughs> oh, it's the UN Secretary General. Oh, shit. Yeah. You want a cold pursuit is what you're saying. I really wanted <laughs> just like another version of cold pursuit, yes. <laughs> well, I, it is interesting I'm saying interesting too much. Okay, it's a fascinating uh, uh, thing that they leave out. Uh, yeah, exactly. That they leave out uh, the major book that was written by a British historian. Uh, the Susan Williams, who I mentioned earlier, was the actually the author of that book that was about the Dag Hammarskjöld uh, conspiracy. So it does. You do get the sense that all the people involved, you know have so much knowledge of even like a conspiracy a conspiracy and you know a constant questioning of that event which i do find interesting that you know like i I think it was an interview with uh filmmaker magazine where um he he talked about like this was just a really well-known book you know when i was growing up like it's not like this was hidden knowledge or anything. Obviously, the you know, the uh, conspiracy to spread HIV, which I swear really doesn't feel like a conspiracy to me, but that's another conversation. Um, yeah, like uh, it's it's just a it's a very weird choice to not uh, identify, um, I, I guess, how popular and how pervasive this idea was to you know even the witnesses and you know who are talking about seeing the plane and uh you know it's not there were very few people who said i've never heard that name before (laughs) let's put it that way yeah so yeah um do we have do we have any other any other thoughts on this film or i don't even Thinking back on this podcast, I don't even know what we've come to, what kind of like thesis we've decided. I feel like we've had a really great conversation, but I don't know if we've come to any kind of conclusion. Cite your sources, Brian. Yep. The world's a confusing place. You can only hope to understand even a small sliver of it. Uh, Be skeptical of some of the people telling you stories to explain it, but be be even more skeptical of the official story every time. And the people who don't want any story told. Exactly. Like that woman who was just like, oh, is this that Hammerschild thing? (laughs) Walked out of here. (laughs) Which makes me wonder, like, how often do random people come up to her? My husband was an idiot who drank too much and told people he murdered a UN secretary general. I'll never forgive him for that. Or my husband had a secret organization and uh, wrote a fake. We we didn't talk about the fake fictional memoir. I brought it up briefly. Yeah, it's just so weird that this guy. And again, it's the kind of thing where it's like, how how much of it's true and how much of it is someone who's just like, my life has been quite boring. I think I'm going to self-aggrandize a bit. And like he, so he creates all this madness, and then like you know, in the early nineties is like now to make my dream a reality, I'm going to put an ad out in mercenary weekly. <laughs> it's just such a weird, such a weird thing. And yeah, I mean like basically Dan, like you said, the, the basics of can, this can, breakdown can someone, to just be, someone, you know, 
fucking everything is weird. You're never going to understand everything, but never stop looking. Let's uh, let's leave our audience with with an answer to a question that I have that hopefully one of y'all knows the answer to. Does the um, dog die? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, we should not play that game with this. Um, uh, black is white. White is black. What the fuck is that? I think it's just I think it was just a thing that they said to uh uh, it's just like but that was just an illustration of like how they indoctrinate people. I think. Well, huh? It, okay. So so they just like have mantras that they repeat and and stuff like that. Yes. I yeah. guess. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Those those animated bits were actually. Uh, I, I thought they were really nicely done. The kind of monochromatic. Was he mocking uh, Ari Fullman with that? I don't feel like it, but I understand what you're saying. He brings up like all the, he's like, I thought that I had nothing to say. So I just start using all these stupid tricks. (laughs) I was like, I don't think he's mocking Ari Fulp. That's, I don't know. I hope not. (laughs) Cause like, I I thought that honestly, and you know, this is probably the most, you know, related to this film as a film. um, I thought that those were stupid as shit. I kind of hated them. They were like really, they were really childish and they didn't add anything. And um I just thought they were dumb. <laughs> I just All thought right, they Brad. were And so I was really excited when he's like, Yeah, so I hired these uh these secretaries and I started, you know, a bunch of other nonsense to just kinda try to cover up how uh shitty this whole story turned out. <laughs> and I was like, Well, at least he admits it. Hmm. He was you actually know, very proud weird. of the animation. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Dan, did you anyway. like the animation? The animation didn't make much an impression on me. I didn't. It wasn't bothered by it, but I could, I could take, I could take or leave it. I take that as you being on my side. <laughs> <laughs> so, that sounds like you did not cite your source. I don't have to. I just said it. It becomes real. <laughs> Dan Schindel <sighs> agreed with Brian Rowan. Um, so there, the, weirdly enough, there is a page on DoesTheDogDie.com for this movie. Oh. Oh, boy. Which is really okay. weird. Um, I'm only going to ask you a couple questions. Uh, okay. Dan Schindel, in case you don't know, doesthedogdie.com is a website that lets you know what stuff happens during a movie so you can kind of avoid it if you think it's going to trigger you. I'm aware, yes. Okay, great. So the first question is, does the dog die? No. Yes, There's correct. no dog. There's no dog. There's no dog. There is no dog. Um, to die. <laughs> does a plane crash? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, that's a whole nother conspiracy. <laughs> well, if there you say no crash, plane. that that implies that it it went down on its own, right? No, if I think that no, I think crash just means did it come to ground in an unsatisfactory <laughs> manner for the passengers? Wait, is the answer yes? Because I don't think we actually ever see a plane crash. We just talk about it a lot. Now, here's the thing. That's a very good point, oh, man. However, the people on doesthedogdie.com say yes. Well, mm, that's if, not if, if, if it's triggering, I think it's it can be in process, the, it can be after process, right. so or the, just the, generally talking about the it. The top so. comment is, the subject of this documentary <laughs> is the real-life plane crash that killed Dag Hammarskjöld. 
There is no footage of the crash, but we see photos of the wreckage and dead bodies and witnesses describe what they saw. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Yep. Does someone what vomit? Plane? No. Oh, uh, he almost does. He says he's going to. All right. Correct. The answer is no, but the top <laughs> comment does say he thinks he's going to vomit. Final question. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say I'm going to say final question for this one. Is someone burned alive? Oof, yes. Yeah. Yeah. OK, great. Yes. The answer is yes. Some very uh, some very burned bodies of people who died in the plane crash are shown. We don't know if they died or they burned before or after they died. So that's These are very. Yeah, they, uh, for the most part, they are very satisfactory in their uh, amount of detail and description in in the yes or no questions. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, I was they definitely look- show their work. Like, uh, I, I feel like math teachers would be very happy with a lot of those questions. We're like, yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for showing me all that work you just did. <laughs> yeah, no, there's a bunch. I mean, like, one of them is, is there hate speech? And they say yes, although no slurs are used. There's discussion of eugenics and alleged white supremacist plots to eradicate black people. I mean, that's yeah. a good answer to that question. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yes, good work. Does the dog die.com. Thank you for covering <laughs> cold case hammer scold. What was the movie that we covered that they didn't have a single thing for? <laughs> I don't know. It was definitely something more popular than cold case hammer. Was it, was it like crawl? No, crawl is how this no, began. crawl. What was it crawl that, that this began? Okay. I don't know. I don't remember, but all right. Well, that's yeah. uh that's it for today. Um, Oh, yeah, one more thing I wanted to bring up. Are you like a really good clandestine organization attempting to murder someone and get away with it if you leave a playing card on them as a calling card? I mean, in fairness, I would do that, but I don't think I would make for a good clandestine organization. (laughs) So, yeah. In fact, like, would you be like the one of spades or something like that? There is the... um, you put, you put down the Joker to show you're twisted. Oh, what was I going to say? There's that movie Seven Psychopaths that makes fun of the idea of leaving a calling card because um, what is it? He's like the Jack of Hearts killer, and he like murders people and throws like a Jack of Hearts on them. And he's played by Sam Rockwell. And there's a point where like they find his house, and there's like there's there's like. There's 70 decks of cards all missing the Jack of Hearts. <laughs> I'm sure Amazon can fill that that gap for you now where you can just be like, I just want a, a deck of, of X. And they'll be like, sure. Would you like it tomorrow? And you're like, yeah. yes, thank you. There's, um, <laughs> what was that? In the original, in the original Manchurian Candidate, speaking of, you know, conspiracies and stuff, Frank Sinatra has that. He has a deck of cards that is just all... Queen of Hearts. So yeah, those exist. Um, so that's it. We hope that you've enjoyed this, uh, you know, in the spirit of the movie itself, meandering, far-reaching, hopefully very interesting conversation that we've had about this. If you know who killed Dag Hammarskjöld, email us, podcast at thefilmstage.com, tweet at us, at Show. and uh, yeah, generally look for us. Don't forget to give to our Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash the film stage show if we get enough money perhaps we too can trek off and search out conspiracy theories which we believe 
Wouldn't that be fun? Can we not do one with horrifying implications? Which can you name a conspiracy theory that in some way does not have horrifying implications? I don't know. That one about lizards sounds the reptilians. Let's not go down that hole. You you think the reptilians are the not is the least threatening? Let me ask you, Michael. How would you feel if you found out? That our our world was being propagated for food by a group of reptilian extraterrestrials coming from either outer or inner space. Inner space. Inner space. They're from the <laughs> the hollow uh, earth. They come out of a hole in the chakras oh. of our globe, and they live in the concave interior of our planet. Brad, are you this so much? Or do you remembering this from memory? I remember this from memory. I remember this from memory. This is this is amazing. <laughs> this, I don't have a web page up that's telling me this. I'm just remembering things that I've heard. Oh no! <laughs> You're gonna like not remember the name of your daughter, but remember this. <laughs> yeah, when I when I when I go through like the early onset stages of dementia, where my brain just starts skipping around randomly, it's gonna be real confusing for people. <laughs> <laughs> Pizzagate was a lie. Pizzagate <laughs> was a lie, but then again, you know, you got stuff like Jeffrey Epstein, and you're like, uh oh, yep. How much of a lie? Mm-hmm. All, All right. right. Before we end up getting it. tangled in that, uh, let's tell the fine people. Oh no, well, let's remind people that they can go and get a free 30 day trial of movie by going to mubi.com/slash/filmstage, where you again can watch the documentary "Is the Man Who Is Tall Happy." Has anyone seen this movie? I saw it a few years ago. I thought it was pretty interesting. All right, excellent. Well, yeah, it's it's Noam Chomsky, right? Yeah, Noam Chomsky talking to Michel Gondry, and uh, Gondry is presenting his ideas visually in an interesting way. A lot of nice animation in that one. This is the pure way, this is the only way to make Noam Chomsky interesting. Wow. Fuck you, Noam Chomsky. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. I always find him to be a very dry speaker, but I know I'm kind of alone on that. Um, speaking of documentaries, The Unusual Suspects is, uh, still going on. So not only do you have that, but you also have Grizzly Man, which we talked about last week. So yeah, check it out. And, uh, you still got those Peter Strickland movies, the Duke of Burgundy and Berberian Sound Studio. So that is it. Uh, go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30 day trial. Uh, let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time. First, Michael Snydell, what are we talking about next week? Uh, are we going to do it? Yeah. Are we going to do it? Yeah. Oh, no. We're going to do it. Do it. Do Do what? We're going to do it, baby. (laughs) Do what? Chapter two. (laughs) Chapter two what? Three hours. (laughs) Three hours of it. And then Joker after that. This fucking month. I swear to God. A lot of clowns. Yep. <sighs> Wait a second. But first of all, it's a great month for evil clowns. Second of all, you can't make as many it jokes as we make about like it regarding the Joker or just Joker. No definite article. <laughs> okay. Let's 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 get out of here. <laughs> Wait. So answer the question: Is that what we're doing? Are we doing that next time? Yes. If, if yes, I, I guess so. All right. We're great. doing it. <laughs> we're doing <laughs> it. Doing it, doing it, doing it well. Yeah, yes. exactly. Now, 
here's the the more broad question is that indeed the song that i used when we talked about it the first time i think so i I think (laughs) our guest allison shoemaker was horrified (laughs) (laughs) now here's the other question with between it chapter two and joker which is the one where i use send in the clowns I don't know. Or tears the of trailer a trailer already used it. You can't use it. I, well, someone's got to go back and tell me what I did and didn't use because I ain't got time for that <laughs> shit. Mm-hmm. All right. Anyway, let's oh. tell the fine people at home where you can be found between now and the next time. Uh, Dan Chandel, you are a guest. Why don't you go first? I'm sorry. Sorry, what? Just. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. You cut out for a little bit. Oh, okay. I thought this was somehow another it joke. No. <laughs> Uh, just tell uh, the fine people at home where you can be found online when they uh, if they want to seek you out. Um, you can find me on uh, Hyperallergic, while writing not just about documentaries, but anything else that they let me write about, essentially, and other sites. I've dropped off my freelancing recently, but hopefully I'll resume that in earnest soon enough. Awesome. Uh, did you have a Twitter you want to plug, or did you get off that toxic waste dump? No, I'm still stuck there, unfortunately. It's just at Dan Schindel. That's Schindel from SCH. All right. Bill Graham. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at CableBFG. Um, and you can also find me on the Slack channel, mixing it up there, having fun. Um, I've actually started posting again. Yay! <laughs> All right, Michael Snydell. You can find me on Twitter at, at Snydell, uh, Letterboxd under my name, and uh, I'll have a review of Manos this week uh which a lot of people seem to really like uh, i'll have that at the spool this week cool, cool. and um of course uh you can find me at my personal site uh, dearfilm.net i'm on twitter at brian j rowan letterboxd at brian j rowan instagram at brian j rowan facebook at brian j rowan peach at brian j rowan <laughs> <laughs> is peach still around no idea um <laughs> Yeah, I uh, my review for Ready or Not is still up. That's the last thing I've written. Uh, no idea what the next thing will be. And uh, yeah, in general, you can find all these episodes at filmstage.com along with all of our writings and whatnot. And uh, that's it. So join us next week when we're doing it. We're doing it. Um, but until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Bye.